All right, everybody, if we want to uh, make our way back to our seats, we will uh, begin um, in just a moment here. Joshua Allen's going to come up because he is preaching for us um, today. Um, Josh, you can go ahead and come up, actually. Um, we are in 1 John 4, as it says on the screen. And um, I just wanted to, before we um, jump into this, I wanted to make sure everybody um, knows this, this face here. And maybe you haven't met Joshua before. Joshua and his wife Carla and their family, they serve in a million ways at the church. They've been faithful members of Maranatha for a long, long time now. And I'm um, grateful that today he is um, going to preach for us and go into the second week of this Advent series. We talked about hope last week, today talking about love and the love that we see in the Advent of Christ. And so before we jump into that, I'm just going to pray, and I want you to pray with me as we pray for Joshua, pray for the Word, and pray most importantly for ourselves as we hear it, that we would uh, hear it clearly from the Spirit of God. So, Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you that your name is worthy to be praised and that you have called us your own. And we pray that as we open your word, Lord, that you would not only give um, Joshua the words to speak, but you would give each of us the ears to hear and understand your uh, wonderful truth, your wonderful character. Lord, you are glorious beyond all compare. And today we want to see that in the gospel as we look into the heart of Christmas and this Advent, the arrival of Christ. Lord, let us see all the richness that it does teach us, all the great things that it, that it needs to challenge, encourage, and teach us. So we pray that you would work in us today as you work through your word that you have written for us to know you and to know the salvation we've been given in Christ. We ask all this in his name. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Um, at Maranatha, we stand as we read God's word. So I'm going to ask that you would stand as we read this passage together. This is 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. David asked me a while back to look at this passage, and anybody who knows me, I love 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. It is by far one of the, the passages that has spoke to me more than any other passage. And as we come to this time of year, you know, there's people that are actually more joyful than what they usually are. They're a little more loving at times. They might actually even listen to some Christmas carols um, and, and not get upset about it. I wouldn't try it in February, but hey, they're... It's, it's usually a little more uh, time of year where people are glad and proud, um, just happy, whether it's for the Lord or for presents, whatever. Um, but there's also those people that are out there that, as you come to this time of year, 
they are hurting. And um, as, as I was just struggling through this, um, I, I, I kept thinking about things that really just didn't pertain to this passage, but I kept trying to apply them to the passage. And I was telling the guys yesterday that I, I, I think I know why I've changed this message three times now. Um, and I just came to the point of there, there are people out there that are hurting. At this time of year, you have families that are hurting. You have people who are joyful. And then you have families that are, they've got sons and daughters that love the Lord. And they have sons and daughters that don't love the Lord. And, and they're trying to work with them. And they see other families that are joyful and happy. And it can just kind of be a weight burdened on you. And as I was thinking through all this, uh, I just remember yesterday I was upstairs just thinking about this passage and I broke and tears and I just kept thinking, man, God is love. And it hit me with everything. So if you're out there, just pray for me that I can get through this clearly because the Lord has just moved in my heart and I pray the Spirit just unleashes the truth of our God and what He is, is love. And you think about love as you hear it within the world. The world, I, I, you have some of these things that this is, this is how the world kind of thinks of love. Um, love is security. This is couple of people that I was looking at. For me, love is security. It's the most secure feeling. Love is having a companion, a best friend, a lover, a partner, a sounding board, a cheerleader, an advisor, a cuddle buddy through every avenue in the journey of life. Here's another one. Love is respect. To me, a healthy relationship is built on respect for one another each person understands the commitment they are making to the other person. Okay? Here's one that we may be a little more familiar with. And it's one that we see everywhere. Love is love. Um, what that means in their eyes is it's declared that we are more like than different that feelings are authentic and therefore good. So this is a relativistic love. And that any homosexual, foreign, fornicated relationships, anything that is sexual immorality should be valued and honored. And every time I see this sign, love is love, I stop and think of, man, can God make a rock so big that I just can't move it? It's just foolishness. It's foolishness. And the reality is, is that we were all there. That's the reality of it. That's what breaks us. And so as I'm, I'm thinking through this and I thought, man, so are we left 
with unbiblical thinking and sayings to define what love is. Do we allow the unrighteous to define to us what love is? Maybe just some things to think through as I go through this. When God the Father is mentioned, do you think love or do you think fear? When someone mentions the incarnation or propitiation, do you think love? And how is it that you, dear believer, and what is it that you base your love upon? Where does it come from? So does the Bible have anything to say on love? Yeah, it does. And praise be to God. Because if we're going to learn about love, if we're going to learn about anything, it needs to come from the inerrant word of God because it is absolute truth. And it is the absolute love of God that allows us to love one another. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six and 39. And you guys all know this. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19.18 says the same thing, to love your neighbor. Matthew 5.44 says, we are to love our enemy according to what Christ says. Ephesians 5.1 and 2 tells us we should be imitators of God and walk in love as Christ did. That's, that's a lot. John 13, 34 says this. He, Jesus gives us a new commandment here in that we are to love as Christ loved us. That is the new commandment that you hear about in 1 John. It is that commandment that we are to love as Christ loved us. And that sets the tone for everything. And then John 13, 35, this is where we as believers have to truly understand, do we love one another? He says this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then we can jump to 1 Corinthians 13, which we'll hit at some point today, but it is the chapter of love. So as we get into 1 John 4, 7 through 12, we need to address a couple of things. This is John, he's writing to the church of Ephesus, which is where he probably pastored until his death. Um, he was well known here. You know, John in his writing is very black and white. You read Paul, you feel a little wiggle room. You get to John, there is none. You will see John say things like, he will address righteousness, the unrighteous. Darkness, light. Love, hate. Know God. You don't know God. Truth, or you're a liar. Very, very specific on contrasting things in 1 John. 
The other thing that John was dealing with is that there is a movement within 1 John and in the early church of Gnosticism. And I'm not going to go deep into this because there's about 50 different religions that are all tied to this and it can go all over the place. But the reality is, is what they preached and what John is trying to give to the believers there is they say that the flesh is evil and spiritual is good. So the incarnation of Christ, no. So they deny that. You've lost the gospel. And the, the whole idea is that they were of a special knowledge. And that knowledge is what was to gain. But John says, no. And throughout 1 John, you will see him say, I was a witness. I manifest to this. I testify to this. I walked with Christ. I was with the apostles. So in 1 John 2, 7 through 11, John does start talking about love there. And when he's talking about love there, he's discussing the true light. And in John 3, 11 through 18, that love is related to eternal life. So when we get to 1 John 4, 7 through 12, I want you to see a couple of things. Number one, John exhorts the believer to love one another. The other thing we will see is God's love which is the wellspring of it all. We will see Christ's love, and then we'll see the Spirit's love, and what that love does to us, and then we'll see another exhortation to love one another. So, listen to this. John mentions in the first these verses, 7 through 12, he mentions three times that we are to love one another. This is a huge point for John. And we'll get to it as to why that is a huge point at the end. But he says, beloved, verse 7, let us love one another. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And in verse 12... He says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So this loving one another is critical. It's as he said in the gospel, the world will know us by our love for one another. So this is an agapeo love. This is a love that is not just your love of the mill, you know, normal love. This is a divine love that God imposes and gives to us. This is a love that you guys have to understand. It is amongst believers, okay? This is not to the unbelieving community. This is a love that God has given to the believers. It's a love that is intentional, and it's a love that we choose to be intentional, so I'm going to ask you some things as we go through here. And when I ask you these things, I want you just to ponder them a little bit. Do you intentionally 
put yourself in places to love and serve one another. The love is sacrificial, and it's not for gain. Whew. That's the tough one. Because you know what? There's people out here in the congregation, and I know because I'm one of them. You can be like the porcupine Christian, man. People come to hug you, and they're like, whoa, man, what's up today? Be like, not a good day. Not a good day. We're called to love the tough people, and we're called to love the easy people. One thing that I would challenge you is if you don't know someone and they might set you off just a little bit, go to them, serve them, love them, be involved with them. Why? Because this will make you more like Christ. It will define the love that God has put in us to reflect it into the world. Another thing that this love is, is it's a love that does not fear. Praise God. Think about that, man. God has given us a love that we don't have to fear. We don't have to worry. I have brothers praying with me all morning this morning because they love me. And, hey, don't worry about getting up there. They want to let the word of God go. That is a, it's a safety net as believers, that we ought to be amongst brothers, there should be no fear. None. It's a love that doesn't wait on others to act. This is a love that initiates and goes. If somebody sinned against you, don't wait on it. Go. If you see someone in need, go. If someone needs help, go. Maybe somebody just needs somebody to sit alongside them and be quiet. Go. Go love in that way. As I said, it is a love that we put on display for the world. And why is that? Well, it's a divine love that comes from God. And it's a love that is exemplified in Christ. And then God takes it and he perfects it in us by his spirit. We have been born of God and we know God. Just good, good stuff. We have been born of God, therefore we know him. And in verse uh, 1 and 2 of chapter 5, it talks about knowing him and doing his commandments. How do we know him? We study, we learn, we know. The spirit is at work and active in us. But here's the opposite that is true. Anyone who does not love does not know God. That's the truth. You love or you don't love. And that's going to show in what you do. I often think of this when I'm reading through this of James when he's talking about faith without works is dead. You show me your faith. I'll show you my works. I often think of this of you show me your actions because that's God being perfected in us. 
It's an agape love from God. It's a love that is showed by sending his son to be the propitiation for our sins. It's a redeeming love that is actively being perfected in us by our loving one another because God's very spirit abides in us. This is a triune love in every aspect of it. Don't miss it. This is beautiful. Every piece of the Godhead, every God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, every one of them is defining love in his area. God is relational. Therefore, we're called to be relational. God loves from an outpouring of who he is. 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. I don't know how many of you ever stopped and thought about God is love, but what does it really mean that God is love? He is the source of our love. His love is undeserved. It's gracious and sacrificial. And how do we know that God is love? Well, if you look at the text, he tells you. Became, made manifest among us. And then he sent his only son. And this is where we need to listen for a little bit. God the Father did not have another son to send. He didn't have multiple ones. It's very interesting in this section, he does not refer to him. John does not refer to him as Christ, but he refers to him as the Son of God. And I think he does that intentionally to show that hard, deep relationship, that love of God that God was going to say, go and make things right. As we have determined, go and make things right. And yet, that brokenness that was going to come. This is the God that we serve. God's love is his very nature. It's not an attribute, as say, of his holiness. It is active in everything that he does. It flows out of him. It goes from the depths of one end to the other. He is love. It pours out of him. Don't get that confused that he's not just because that ties into it as well. 1 John 4, 8 and 16 both say that God is love. And he was a God of love that was going to send his son to become the incarnate Christ. So when you stop and think of Advent, and the incarnation of Jesus Christ, it is the very act of love that God is going to redeem a people unto himself. Talks about God shows his, his love in John 3, 16, 1 John 4, 9. And God enables his children to love and I think of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. And also 1 John 4.12. It will be 
perfected in us. So why do we love him? Because he first loved us. God initiated the act. God made the act so that we can follow in his place. God initiated the act. And what was that act? It's, it's, it's very interesting because we see in 1 John 1, 5 that God is light. And we know that God is spirit. We know that God is a consuming fire. And now we learn that God is love. God's love is not dependent on our love for him. It doesn't stop. It does not stop. When we sin against him, God's not there to bring the hammer down on us. God is there with open arms. Come, come. And we ought to be the same to one another because we exemplify Christ in what we do in our living. Jerry Bridges says this, God's unfailing love for us is an objective fact affirmed over and over in the scriptures. It is true whether we believe it or not. Our doubts do not destroy God's love, nor does our faith create it. It originates in the very nature of God, who is love, and it flows to us through our union with his beloved son. That's the reality of it. God sent his son. And how do we know that God loves us? Because he did. He sent his son, verse 9. In this is love. God was made manifest, manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world. People, he didn't only just send his son into the world. He sent his son to die. And he didn't just send him to die. He seemed to die for us sinners. He didn't deserve any of it. That ought to break us. And I think that's why yesterday as I was reading through this and it just hit me and I was just broken. And I thought, man, what a precious God we have. Because I had my fist in the air and I said, no. And he said, yes. And then... He sent his son to die a sinner's death for us who didn't deserve it. And then he didn't stop there. He sent his spirit to perfect it in us. And we now are that example of love out there in the world that the world ought to see. It is beautiful. To think that we have the opportunity to love one another so much that it shines to the world of, there's something different about them. And it's not me. And it's not you. It's because Christ came to be the propitiation for our sins. And let me just put it to you like this, what that is. We're a well-learned church here. And... Thinking through this, it was something that every time I think of this, I just think, man, he substituted. He took everything upon him that I rightfully deserve. God should have unleashed his wrath on every one of us. <laughs> Done. 
But you know what he did? He had Christ come and be the propitiation for our sins. Christ atoned for our sins. That's what it is. And that atoning sacrifice for our sin satisfied God's wrath that we deserved. This is something that I often think we don't think about enough. Every spittle that was put on Christ was his love actively working for us. Every lash was his love actively working for us. The crown of thorns set on his head, Christ actively loving us. Being mocked, coming as a child to save me? It's amazing. And then to get up on the cross and to show that love even greater, they nailed him to it and he let his father unleash his wrath on him for us. Is your love so self-sacrificial that you would step out of place and serve others as Christ served us? Because we're called to love as Christ loved us. We are called to go and bear each other's burdens and that is in every facet of our life. It ought to be on display all the time. And if you are not doing this, I would challenge you to do so because here is the reality. If you don't, you probably don't love God. Because I'm going to show you something pretty interesting here. Verse 11 and 12, it talks about God's action in us, that God is active, that his spirit is active. God abides in us. But verse 12, he starts off with something that is one of the things that every time I read it, I stop and go, why did John put this here? Verse 12, or verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. He just throws that in there. No one has ever seen God. And then he goes right back to if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. That abiding in us is God's spirit at work in our lives. And we are to perfect. This is amazing. He sent his son. He sent his son for sinners. He sent his son for sinners to die on a cross, to do a sinner's death. And then he sent his spirit. And then he's going to use the believers to show that completed love to the world. He's going to take me, a crooked arrow, and make a straight shot with it because he is Christ. And his love, his love is what holds it all together. But listen to this. He says, no one has ever seen God. And John just throws this out there. And we don't have time to go through the rest of the verses. But if you go down to verse 19, 20, and 21, it says this. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, 
He is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he can see, he cannot love God, whom he has not seen. That ought to scare you. It is one of the biggest things. I just remember when I saw this and I thought, oh my. So if I can't love David and I can't love Vlad and I can't love Scott, I don't love God. There is no way around it. This is the word of God. We have no excuse. And really, we shouldn't need one. This should be a heart of gratitude serving because it's what he's done for us. I can't love what I don't see because if I can't love what I can touch and feel, there's a real problem. Husbands, do you love your wives as Christ loved the church? That is an active love. It is a love that we have to work at. We all know it's not perfect. God is, though. And he works through us to perfect our love. So we love, and we continue to love, and we continue to love in every way that we can. Do you love your children? Even on the tough days. Do you love those who are hard to love? Because if you don't love those that are hard to love, I question you. Go check and see if you love God. When you look at the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I remember I, I taught this to my kids from when they came out. It was like the mantra of the Allen family. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I thought I understood it. I was like, yeah, love God, love neighbor. Everything else falls into place. And then as I was looking through First John, I thought, I show that love by loving you, by loving my wife, by loving my children, by loving those who are hard to love, God perfects his love in me, and therein I love him more because he is working in my heart to root out the sin and to perfect his love in me. I would challenge you through these days to allow God and you be at work amongst the people of God. If you haven't had anybody over to your house or you just stick with a certain group of people, call somebody else up. See what you can do for them. Love them. Be involved with them. Get involved with the people who are tough to love. And I don't want everybody calling me all at once. Okay? <laughs> but the reality is, is we have this right and this privilege to go and show the world the very love of God and put it on display in such a beautiful way. Listen to what Bruce says. The love of God displayed in his people is the strongest apologetic that God has in the world. When his love is planted in their hearts and he himself thus dwells within them, his love is perfected. In the complementary response which it finds in them towards him and towards their fellows. It is in this way 
that they are not only holy and merciful as he is holy and merciful, but as enjoined by their Lord on the Sermon on the Mount, perfect as their heavenly Father is perfect. And all through that perfection of love poured out for them in the sacrifice of the cross. <laughs> when we think of Advent and the incarnation of Christ, God loved us and sent his son. And his son carried out the deed that would make us right before him. We have nothing to do but praise him and serve him with a heart of gratitude. Let your love overflow this year throughout the Christmas season. And don't be shy about it. Be active. As Ephesians says, outdo one another in it. Love God. Love neighbor. But you better start with loving that that you can touch. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for um, your word. It is active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It roots in us uh, a love for you. Um, Lord, help us to love one another. Help us to serve one another. Help us to have that love that would imitate Christ's love for us, that would imitate God the Father's love for us, that would imitate the Spirit's love for us. Lord, help us to love. Because above everything, that's the one that we need to hold on to. Love is involved in every action that we do. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory today. I pray that um, you would prepare us as we go out this week and prepare us with hearts that are overflowing with love because of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He has come, and he has conquered death, and he reigns supreme. Amen.